Be, be sad on audio. Yeah. <laughs> it's easy to tap into today. It's like it's like up to walk up to a dog. And it's like sit. You just walk up to Steven. It's like be sad. <laughs> <laughs> I just needed the permission. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it's not wrong at all. Like, <laughs> I feel bad. It was a good joke, but I feel bad. Congratulations, everyone, on another amazing week. I am your host, Stephen Woodson, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Keith Parker. Hello. You guys are listening to Congratulations, Your Divorce. Parker, how you doing, buddy? I am doing great, because another week of fantasy in the books, another W, um, but unfortunately, another another loss for you. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a oh. second. Just to kinda, <laughs> You're just going there that, just, that quick. <laughs> I'm just I'm going straight in because it's the highlight of my week over the past few weeks has been beating the shit out of people in fantasy. And unfortunately, uh, it has, people have been river dancing across your team for the past four seasons or four weeks. So I'm going to edit this correctly, but I want you to know how disrespectful it is that you pause to mm-hmm. give a second take just to insult me. Yeah, <laughs> I do yeah. not well, appreciate I'm going to insult you. I want it to be top tier. So <laughs> I should leave your first take again, just out of spite, but I am 0 That's four. Fine. That's the thing. Like I, I can't argue no. with you. My season is trashed. I got one more week. If I, if I don't win this week, mathematically, I don't think I can make it. But if I do win this week, did you realize I did the numbers? I would jump up to seventh just because my, yes. my point total is that high. So I ran your, team through the fantasy pros whatever yeah. analyzer to see if you can make the playoffs and according according to them you're like one trade away from being playoff eligible oh which is hilarious to me <laughs> i'm like no mathematically he's still in it like you yeah. you get one more player you kind of move your team up one more level and then your playoff chance is actually like almost 65 percent oh yeah so That's good to know don't give me hope. That's, one that's of the, the thing I'm- like I, i'm slowly losing it and you're giving me hope right now so we'll see if that's helpful well, I would. I, I don't like knocking you down unless I can pick you back up. Because while you are zero so four, you do have a you have a killer squad. I do. So, yeah. I, like, I look at the squad each week, and I'm like, you guys are you guys are good. Like, I love what you're doing. You got good heart. Just keep it up. You know, just one more one more week, and you got this. I mean, yeah, you're the the problem right now is that your uh, current fantasy team, like your previous marriage, is off of potential, and right now you are zero four on that. So, wow. Wow. <laughs> that one took a second. It sorry. just kept going. <laughs> it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was slow. It was, a slow marinade there. Hmm. Okay. But that was my first two years in fantasy was grabbing people off potential. And then I started moving off numbers. We've started playing money ball. <laughs> he's been in the league two years and he thinks he's, he's going to be champion. That's cute. I will watch this. Hold my beer. I'm going to have to go ahead and pull the host card and just jump into the episode here so we can stop talking about my misery and talk about my past <laughs> misery. It'll just make me a whole lot more comfortable right now. Um, so I had a really interesting misery shift. Got yeah. it. <laughs> just walk with me. Um, so I had an interesting conversation with somebody the other day and I thought it'd be fun for us to talk about because I ran into a guy that I used to serve on the worship team with. I haven't seen him in a couple of years and he asked me what church I was going to and it was really awkward for me to try and tell him that I'm I'm not really going to church anywhere right now. He's like, oh, what's what's that mean? I was like, well, my relationship with God has actually gotten stronger, I think, than it ever has been. But I don't really go to the building anymore. Uh, not right now. I'm not saying that I never will. But I just don't really 
feel like it. Did he lead the conversation with it? Because I know that when I run into people from either old congregations or old churches, it's generally, hey, how you doing? Generic second question, where are you going to church now? It's like the third the, thing I get asked. That was the exact formula. How you doing? Saw yeah. you got married. Where are you going to church now? Boom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> across don't, denomination, <laughs> across religion, it does not matter. Yeah. That's how you witness. Step one, step two, <laughs> step three. Bring it around. <laughs> so I, I wanted to dive into that a little bit because faith and divorce is kind of strange. I know I had some struggles with it. I had, I have obviously reasons that I'm not currently attending church. And uh, I wanted to talk to you about that. I wanted to see if, if you've had anything similar because i know you also currently don't go to church well i mean the whole faith and divorce thing it's if you go through something as catastrophic as divorce it'll make you question everything Mm -hmm. and we've talked about a number of those topics uh but the one thing we really haven't just kind of dove into was faith because it'll make you change your religion lose your religion uh strengthen Mm -hmm. your religion i mean i've seen (laughs) i've seen it play out in a multitude of different ways and i know for me what it did was put a gigantic pause on my faith because I had some questions and I had a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. And to me, I didn't think I could move forward with my relationship with God unless I felt like he gave me the answers I needed. So it it didn't immediately enhance my relationship. It probably hurt it a little bit. And but like I said, for me, it was a, it was a pause and like time for reflection, because if he's supposed to be the almighty, then I've got some questions because how did I end up? here Mm. how did i end up in this scenario hurt this bad where did i go this wrong and if you love me this much why would you let all this happen to me right like i turned into like a six-year-old little child where i was just like woe is me my life is hard why would you let anyone hurt me this bad Mm -hmm. so of course there's that conversation goes a lot deeper and a lot farther, but that does i was like that's the hardest question when it comes to god is like why does he let bad shit happen Generally, I learned that the answer is because I do dumb shit. (laughs) That's usually like answer number one is like, God, why did you let this happen? It's like, I put a fucking sign there and you walked right past it. So you stopped and looked at it and you're like, nah, (laughs) just kept walking. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I do more often. Comprehend all the things (laughs) and you walked right by it. So, yeah. So you said you had a lot of questions and like, what, what's some of the questions? Well, outside of the standard ones, like, why did this happen to me? Yeah. You know, those kind of surface level ones, the questions that I had that were burning a lot deeper was like, what role are, do I want you to play in my life? That being God, like, do I actually want to open my life to God and see what blessings he bestow upon me? Or am I fed up with that? And because it's been <laughs> 32 years or 31 years of bullshit, And I feel like maybe I need to be single religiously for a while and figure something out. (laughs) You told God you need to go see other people for a little bit. (laughs) I mean, that's the level of existential crisis I'm in because it's like when you're that broken and you're questioning everything, like I've already reset everything about my physical health. I've already tried to rebuild my mental health. Why would I not take that same approach to my spiritual health? Mm -hmm. And so I really had to take it to ground zero and go like, why do I want God in my life? Yeah. Like legitimately, what for me? Why selfishly? Not because I want to get to heaven. Not because I don't want to burn in hell eternally or anything. Like, but why do I want him in my life? And kind of starting there, and that's a hard ass question. And especially in my case, where growing up church was optional, it was not a core part of my foundation. 
if it wasn't a core part of me growing up and I'm cleaning house now, then you're on the chopping block. So, well, hell, I mean, it was a core part of my foundation. It still got on the chopping block. Like I still had to question what I was going to do with him, what, what he was going to do with me. I mean, I've, I've talked countless times about praying to God, asking just to be used, let some purpose come out of this. But at the same time, in order for me to ask those questions, I also had to ask, are you real? Do you exist? Are you important to me anymore? I may have been raised in church, but if I got to question what I'm going to do with the rest of my life, I should at least be allowed to question him too. Well, growing up, they told us where God was and I wanted to go out and see, like I wanted to go out and find him basically, or see if he actually was like out in the world. Because I think back to our conversations that we have about like the word, like God or the universe, right? Interchanging those things. And say, well, like the universe always levels itself out, right? It, it does this. I don't know how to say this without sounding preachy, but like God's in everything. So like, let me go. Te- like they said, God was in everything. So let me go test that hypothesis. Yeah. Like, uh, all right, if this is all his, then let me go science it because I should be able to go find him. Yeah. He shouldn't be just here. And that was kind of, that was my take on that whole single part, right? Of like wanting to date, like it's, it's this feels too formal. Like if you're supposed to be everywhere and I should be able to find you everywhere and find peace out in the world, then I should be able to achieve that out there. It shouldn't be yeah. some weird building that I'm locked into and I get pressured into coming here twice on Sundays, once on Wednesdays. And then if I miss a holiday, I'm a heathen. Mm-hmm. There's all this weird pressure that got like, what? No, <laughs> no. It, it felt to me like it was an arranged marriage because it's what I was supposed to do. I should be in love with God. I should have a relationship with God. I should be in church. I should be trying to serve the church. Like, this is what I'm supposed to do. And I didn't question it ever. I mean, not Mm -hmm. once. You question it. How dare you? Well, after 32 or 33 years, what was the breaking point? What finally broke the cycle of Stephen having to show up to church every single day? I think like it broke a lot of things. COVID was what really gave me the nudge that I needed to get out of church. Cause like after, after my divorce, I still went, I went to the same church that we went to. She left. And so I continued going and it was awkward. It was terrible. It was humbling. It was spiritual. It was nice. It was, it was a, a mixed bag of emotions. It gave me something to do, kept me busy, but also threw me in situations where I would get these awkward stares from people because half knew and half didn't. Um, mm-hmm. So that was really complex in itself. And then even after I moved, I still went to the same church, different campus and enjoyed my experience. But I started finding myself questioning those same things like you did. I'd be out on walks and I'd listen to Richard Rohr or Thomas Merton and start contemplating things that was what really like broke the broke the seal and so the moment covid happened all of those thoughts of contemplation came flooding in and that first sunday where i didn't have to go to church and i slept in i got up went down to the river lit up a cigarette turned on a sermon on my phone in my own time in my own place and it was just me and god just me and him getting to have a conversation i was like oh shit he is not just in church. <laughs> like I can yeah. smoke and still love Jesus. This is amazing. So <laughs> <laughs> let me ask you this. Cause you said you felt connected. Um, did, did you feel at peace or did you feel connected with any guilt because you weren't in an actual physical location? That's interesting. I did feel, I did feel a little guilt, but not from God. <laughs> I I was worried how people would perceive what I was doing. 
like it was just laziness. Like I'm just enjoying my time off from church. Mm-hmm. But it also felt like I had a secret because like I knew I was having really intimate moments and good conversations and good moments of prayer with God. And it was, it was like I said, it was on my time. So it was so much more special. And I kept feeling closer and closer to God. Like it, it moved from me going and having my own church in the Jeep by the river to talking to him more while I'm hiking or while I'm out for a walk, realizing that he can be in multiple places that he actually, he's actually everywhere. Like they say, <laughs> and yeah. like, no matter what I'm doing, if, if I'm, if I'm eating dinner out for a walk, taking a shit, like God's there and he's ready to talk mm-hmm. whenever he's always got <laughs> something to say. And, and as for the peace, all I know is what I feel. And I know that I'm the kindest that I've ever been. I have the most empathy that I've ever had. I love so much more deeply than I've ever loved. And all of that has started taking place since I really just started having one-on-one time with him. I mean, I love the way you described all of that because my eye-opening moment with something very similar is my favorite moments that I've ever had inside of any church was just the amount of peace that I would feel. Hmm. And I only ever kind of could achieve that level of peace at a church or at a building or something that, you know, resembled God. And I wondered if that piece was achievable outside of those buildings in just the world with it, whether it be around people or at the top of a mountain or the bottom of a valley or at a Creek bed or wherever it may be. And the first time I was at the top of pinnacle and felt the same amount of peace that I felt in my most safe moment, right. With God in like a church, that's when it was kind of like, wait a second, if I can get that over here, can I get it over here as well? So yeah. I kind of took it as a as a personal challenge to see how much peace I could find. It was almost like a Pokemon game where I was like, mm-hmm. I gotta catch them all. Like, and where can I catch peace at? Can I catch it at sunsets, sunrises? Can I catch it at the top of a mountain, at the bottom of the mountain, at the top of the river? Like, yeah, I just went on a manhunt for it and completely ignored every actual church building along the way. Cause I'm just like, I've tried that. Like I've been down that road, done that. This is real fun out here. This is really cool. So yeah, it is, it's enlightening too. Cause if I go by some of the standards that were set by churches I attended when I was younger, I shouldn't be having this peace. I shouldn't be having this relationship with God because to, to them divorce was a sin. And that's how I was raised for a certain period in my life. And even, even once my family moved to a different denomination and it was a little bit looser, a little bit more freeing, divorce was still frowned on. You know, it's still a bad thing. You shouldn't get divorced. You should fight for your marriage, right? In a lot of the areas that we grew up in, <clears throat> divorce was one of the top three cardinal sins, regardless of what was in the book mm-hmm. or on the commandments or anything else. You know, don't murder someone, don't cheat, don't get divorced. That was pretty much the general three. They kind of swayed. That was the vibe so, anyway. It was the vibe, right? Yeah. And if you got divorced, I've seen people get divorced and not be welcomed back to a church because (laughs) they, they got divorced, right? You can't, how could you represent God now that you've gotten divorced? Don't get me started on that. (laughs) (laughs) I got stories about that too. (laughs) Yeah. But I think it's, I I mean, I I think it's important to mention and talk about because I, like I said, I grew up seeing it. You go to church and then all of a sudden like Mr. and Mrs. Elroy ain't there no more. And you're like, well, what happened? Mr. Elroy always brought me peppermints. He was nice. What happened to him? Like, oh, well, he can't go to church here no more. And then you get older and you find out like just because they got divorced, Mm -hmm. like nobody did anybody wrong. They just 
didn't get along as adults anymore. So they had to separate. And that is somehow keeping them from worshiping this almighty, great, loving, compassionate God. Yeah. Now I got some questions. Hang on. This is those things don't add up. Some math ain't math in here. This Mm -hmm. is because you talked, you said one thing with one hand and then now you're slapping me with the other and that'll crack a foundation real quick. It will. And I'm not even going to touch on the fact that different denominations believe in different things. Like I don't want to go there. My experience after the divorce was I had to ask myself if, if divorce is a sin, if what just happened to me is a sin, and God's not going to let me into heaven because I left a toxic relationship where I would do more damage in this world had I stayed in that marriage as opposed to getting out of it and having this peace that I now have and feeling a little bit of enlightenment. If that was the God that I was serving, I didn't want to serve him. All right. Now you got to walk me through that path because there's a big reconciliation as you get older about the God that you were brought up to serve versus the one that you thought you were serving and making peace with that moment of, well, if that is the God that I I'm supposed to be serving, I'm cool. Like later nerd. Mm-hmm. I don't want to deal with that. Cause that seems like some bullshit. That's not a decision that gets made lightly or easily. No, but it has to, it has to be made confidently because <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to really go back no on that. Joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just didn't want, I don't know. I didn't want to accept that. I didn't want to accept that that was God. Like it, I was raised knowing that he's a loving, compassionate God. It doesn't make sense that he would condemn me to hell for leaving a woman who was cheating on me. That doesn't make sense. And that's not even the type of church that I was in, but there's remnants of that. I was Mm. on the worship team at one campus, and when they had to go ask permission from the executive worship leader, if it was okay if I still served on the worship team, having been divorced, really made it hard to stay around. Like my relationship with God, who I am has not changed. The only thing that has changed is my marital status. And you're telling me that I can't use my gifts, that you have to ask permission Mm -hmm. from, from a man, me and God are cool. Why do I have to give a fuck what a man thinks? (laughs) Yeah. Who are you anyways, motherfucker? The step in between me and him. (laughs) Like if he is who you say he is, who the fuck are you? (laughs) Yeah. And that's where like, (laughs) it's funny to talk this much about religion and then cuss as much as we do. Because <laughs> that I had to, I had to find a bigger God. I had to find out that God was bigger than all this. I, there's a two-hour video on YouTube. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. But Madeline L. Engel has a long, sometimes drawn out, but fascinating conversation about a cosmic Christ, a universal God. And I won't bore you with like the details, but basically she goes into, if you can conceive it, then it's not God. Like God is so much bigger than any type of box that we put him in. And learning that, I started seeing all the boxes that people were putting God in. And that's what rubbed me the wrong way. It wasn't church. It's just seeing other people trying to manipulate the word of God and manipulate mm. God's name and his feeling for gains in other, other areas. So that was where I had to draw the line just for me and my personal journey. And I may be wrong. I am 100% okay with being wrong on this. But I know in my heart, the love and kindness that I now have for people of all religions, of all faiths, sexual orientations, political standings, like I want to love and I want to be a nice person and I want to defend that. I want to defend love. (laughs) So my relationship with God is complicated and I understand that it's going to confuse a lot of people and I'll continue to confuse a lot of people. It confuses me a lot of times, but I know that I can talk to him about it and that's all I care about. (laughs) 
I think that would, that's the point is that you don't have to understand my relationship with God or my spiritual relationship at all. You don't have to get it. And I don't have to get yours. No, but it's unique to me. And I've, I'm confident in what I've got going on right now. And I think that's the beautiful part, at least from my side. And I I think I can speak for you a little bit is I'm so confident in the relationship that I have with God. Like I can cuss. I cuss during prayer. It is what it is. He made me, he knew what he was getting into. Okay. Don't ask God. I mean, how many times have we talked about that? Like get angry with God say, fuck you. What are you doing this to me for? Like he can take it. (laughs) That's, That's the point. Like there's a lot of books talking about how, that's kind of the point is to leave it at his feet. They are the multitude of different ways of saying that, but leave it with him. Walk away. Yeah. Did you get the message? That's that, like, I say that all the time. All like, the did time. you get the message in yeah. the, the whole point is to not stress about this shit. It doesn't matter kind of how you look at it or the fact that I curse when I do it. And you think that's impossible. How can you have what you think you have when you act this way? And it's like, it's none of your business. <laughs> it's not, <laughs> it's simple as that. I've never felt God like tug at my heart for saying fuck. I don't know. My, our relation, like that relationship hasn't wavered because of that. If anything, it's grown closer just because I'm raw. I'm bringing my unabridged, unapologetic, raw self to him. And, and I have to be okay with that. I love to hear that because that level of confidence, at least from my side, was so crucial for me to go, you know what? Like if God does exist, because I've been told God in a lot of different forms, but if he exists, to me, this is the, the version of him that makes the most sense. And this is the one that I'm going to worship. And this is the one that I'm going to try to build a relationship with. And that gave me confidence to honestly, to kind of be like devil's advocate and like poke at it right Mm -hmm. from other sides and other have people poke my theories and my foundation and me go explore and read. And I I think poking holes was one of the more important parts because like I, I assume I'm wrong at most things. Religion and faith being one of them. I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. I honestly look forward to it because every time I'm wrong, I get a little bit closer to what I assume is the truth. I remember there was a time that we were sitting down by the river and I believe we were probably yelling at God or complaining in some way, shape or form about something that had happened. And, but I think there was a, there was a little bit to where you were kind of diving into like some Buddhist principles. And I think we made a joke and I've been chuckling to myself about it because I think it was basically like the Burger King of religions where it was like, all right, we're going to get a Whopper. We're going to start with Christianity, but you know, there's like three or four really good Buddhist principles. So we're going to add that onto yeah. the top. We're going to swap <laughs> the buns out for like some science because that, that makes sense too. Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of like you were exploring really everything and kind of building your own understanding of God. I do. I do remember that. And that's honestly, that's one of my favorite things I've ever done, but also one of my scariest things I've ever done because I I enjoy the principles and I love it. And it makes sense. I can make it make sense in my head to pull these different parts that kind of all have a similar meaning about just loving and kindness. No matter what religion it comes from, we all got great ideas. There's nothing. I don't think there's anything wrong with following any of them as long as it makes you a little bit of a better human. The scary part about it is, is like, I could be wrong. Catholicism is is a very like strict religion. They have a lot of rules and that could very well be right. Like maybe religion is something that is meant to be followed strictly and we're just messing it up this whole way. The thing is like, I'm back to what we were saying. Like I'm okay with being wrong on that. I mean, I'm definitely okay with being wrong on that because a lot of the versions of God that got painted suck. If we can just talk honestly, like they don't, (laughs) 
they, they kind of forget about a lot of love and compassion and all the things that I think make the world go round, all the nice little rainbows and butterflies. But it made it a lot easier for me to start trusting in God when I actually trusted who he was. Not like not taking input from someone that I didn't agree with fundamentally. Because the whole point of the damn thing was that it makes it easier to listen to a God when you actually believe what he's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Because it's hard to listen to it. They they tell you, let God, you know, listen to him. He's gonna write your life, right? Just follow him, follow his footsteps. There's all these poems and basically memes about just though you had Jesus take the wheel, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't trust that motherfucker's driving skills. Like when you tell me this is the God that hates people and banishes people, but when you give me a God that is loving and caring and compassionate and wants people to be happy, that makes it easier for me to go, all right, cool. Well, tell me what story you're gonna write for me the loving, compassionate God, not the hateful, judgmental, if you don't follow these 7,700 rules, you're going to hell, God. Mm-hmm. I mean, Stephen, you tell me, if someone, if the Almighty is going to be writing your life, would you rather it be someone more like Stephen Kingish or someone more Dr. Seuss-ish? <laughs> Can I choose Mark Twain? Is that, do I get any other author options? or is I mean, I, it's a spectrum, right? So, but... <laughs> The rules are a really interesting part about theology. I, I struggle with this a lot. Okay. I feel like quite a few rules are man-made just based on theory, similar to kind of how you and I are talking here. Like we don't have a clue what we're talking about. Not at all. This is None. just kind of how we feel. This is our take on the universe, take on this God. Is bro religion. Bro religion. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> So I would imagine that there's been some man-made rules thrown in here and there. The thing is that like no one person truly knows. The same thing we don't truly know what happens after death. If the answers aren't solidified, if we don't have, if we're trying to answer infinite questions with finite answers, like we're going to drive ourselves crazy. That's why I always hang my hat on the feelings. That's always, that's why I always hang my hat on this relationship that I have with God, this karmic balance that I try to guide my life through. Honestly, sometimes I think Avatar got it right, like Avatar The Last Airbender, because that show is so good about describing (laughs) balance. And even on a quest, like you can always find the balance. Like that show lights me up and makes me feel more one with the universe than some church services have. I love that you made the Avatar reference because the balance is so key here. Mm -hmm. And while I might not be an airbender and a waterbender and whatever else, (laughs) I was a broken individual who had to figure out how to rebuild my physical health, my mental health and my spiritual health. Yeah. And being able to no longer view God through a singular lens, but more through multifaceted. I don't know if it's six, eight, 12, 34 thousand lenses. I have no clue, but understanding that none of it makes sense. But as long as I'm doing my part to try to maintain these things in balance, I'm putting the effort in different aspects of my life and make sure that they stay in balance. What made you decide that you needed to get this, your spiritual journey, right? Like you needed to lock down what you believed and do you plan on teaching that to your sons or are you going to let them have their own experience? Um, I'll, uh, answer the second question first, the, the kids, I will provide the roadmap that I went through, but I will not force them to take the same journey that I did. Mm. God bless them. If they end up Buddhist, if they end up any other religion, it's fine. God bless them. I hope that it's the best fit for them. Um, but my journey's not their journey, and I won't force that on them. Mm-hmm. For me, though, I always had a constant kind of almost like TV static. 
no matter how good I was in my life, whether it be my physical health, my financial health, my mental health, there was always a background noise and it was my spiritual health. I just hadn't figured it out yet. Not saying that I was a sinner and no, 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 or I was so deep in the church or anything. It was just, yeah. it was a question mark. That's all it was. It was just something I haven't really resolved. I hadn't pulled that box out and really dove into it. Mm-hmm. And so when your life gets broken into a million pieces, you go, well, why not just go ahead and make sure we fix everything? <laughs> and so once I started feeling better about my body and being in shape, and then I started feeling better mentally, and I got that kind of figured out, I still had that TV static in the background. And I was like, oh, okay, now let's, let's go ahead and answer it once again to the very beginning. Let's go ahead and answer these questions that I've always had. Mm-hmm. There's no more time for me to just let these hang out because if I still have this static and I'm trying to build a new life, I'm bringing static from a previous life into this. And I don't like that. Mm-hmm. So no matter how it shakes out with me and God, I need to know where I stand with him and where he stands with me before I bring anybody else into my life. Yeah. I didn't feel safe leaving that rock unturned without exploring that. If I got nothing but time and if I got nothing to lose, I'm going to pray and I'm going to see who answers. <laughs> yeah. see, you know, I, the thing is, is like, you've told me this before, like the devil answers prayers too, like just as easily That's- as God does. Mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. back to that balance, I had to figure out what, what dark voices were pulling me, what light voices were pulling me. If I could even make it to the avatar state. Cause I still wasn't sure if that was a thing, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, just, I needed to figure that out for myself and I, I'm glad that I did. And I think I'm even more glad that I've found some other people that are just as crazy as me. That is, that is open to possibility like you and my wife, like we, we explore things and uh, we question things and we want to see, want to see what, what answers back, see what talks back. <laughs> it's an interesting time when you start a prayer with dear y'all and you just see what happens. <laughs> dear y'all. Yeah. <laughs> to those who it may concern. <laughs> Sorry. Mm-hmm. Whoever the fuck is pulling these strings is fired. <laughs> Bring out the next one. <laughs> See, usually whenever I pull some stuff like that, like I always feel like God's in the back of my ear. It's like, you cute. You think you're cute, but wait till I let somebody answer you. <laughs> well, you know what? You may mean your image. So if I think it's funny and I'm chuckling, he's chuckling too. So <laughs> I think he likes my curiosity, but that's just me. I think it's last call. That was uh, an interesting conversation, a very interesting episode. So let's let's wrap it up. Yeah, let's get out of here. Last call. Much wood. Could a woodchuck chuck? A woodchuck could chuck aluminum. And I shot a lot about that one. <laughs> Would he even chuck wood if he could chuck aluminum? And depends. What era and time is he in? Is he in the Bronze Age? Is was he figuring shit out with metal and alloys? I'm I'm a little bit afraid of what woodchucks could do if they had access to metals. Like cyborg beavers. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the if beavers like actually built the. I was like, about yeah. Like, like, imagine the dams they would build. <laughs> a fucking hard hat and their tail just smoothing out the concrete. Yeah. Can... <laughs> just bringing a little pale lunch. That's that's adorable. Actually, I kind of want that to happen now. <laughs> we need a t-shirt. Yeah. What do you want to do before we get out of here? I want to leave you with something to think on because I've asked this question to a few different people, my sister, my girlfriend, I've asked it to you. If you had to fight an animal to the death with just your bare hands, but you and the animal 
were scaled down to exactly the same size, right? So, like, if you were fighting a grizzly bear, it would be shrunk down to human size. Hmm. But if you were fighting an ant, it would be scaled up to human size. So, whatever you fight, you and it are going to be equal grounds. If you're six foot, it's going to be whatever that scale is. Worm. I'm fighting a worm. No questions asked. Bear hands? Bear hands. That's all you got. I don't think a worm... Do you think you can actually pierce its skin? And how how are you going to... That you're just gonna, you're not gonna be able to choke it. There's an orifice somewhere on those little slimy dudes, <laughs> and I'm you gonna find it. To a completely different question. <laughs> I'm saying if there's an orifice, then it can tear. And if if I gotta fight to the death, like I just gotta get inside and stop its functions somehow. That's a that's a bold pick. I, I felt and it, way to fight it. Yeah, I felt it in my gut. It's gross. I'm not proud of it, but it felt like that was. Cause like, what else do you do? I can't. You can't make a scorpion. I don't need a human size. I don't need a Steven sized scorpion to fight, especially no. with my bare hands, because they come with a weapon. So my uh, my gut reaction was giraffe, and the only reason it was giraffe is because I figured at, if you scale it down to me, it loses. Most right, of I know its, its neck is strong. Yeah, it's strong, right? It, it's going to be resilient, but I'm still 220 pounds. Mm-hmm. So if I can get a hold of your neck, I can still break it in some way, shape, or form figured that's my best chance but it's gonna not it's probably gonna knock me the fuck out before i get too close to it yeah they're quick and they can they can snap it pretty fast and if it's smaller it's gonna be quicker so it's gonna be like a whip coming at me so see i want to say this is a i want to say a challenge just because they got smooth brains and they're dumb but they also got pretty long talons and even if they're confused and just kind of running around i still feel like they'd shred you Mm -hmm. that's a tough question do you think anybody's given you like a perfect answer? I think the only thing that's really gotten close is if someone said tadpole, and I was like, okay, hmm. I, I don't think the tadpole's in danger of killing you, except unless it's on top of you. But I don't think a tadpole has a way to kill you, so maybe you can outlast the tadpole. Maybe that's the play here is the long game. Hmm. But I think it would be in that realm because I think anyone that thinks they could just like, oh, a parrot or oh, a, you know, a beetle or it a bug, be- I. I you got to think about this. It'd be awkward fighting a giant sperm, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what you're dealing with. But it ain't gonna eat you. So that we know. I mean, if it's a human size, we. That's the thing. All these like these are great. That's why you go tadpole. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> I think that's gonna do it for us <laughs> for this episode. If you, if you have a better answer, though, feel free to send it out to us because uh, we'd love to hear it. If you like what you're listening to, check out our website at congratulationsnetwork.com or hit us up on our Congratulations Network hotline at 501-503-1307. And as always, don't forget to celebrate yourself, keep your mental health in check, and keep growing. Hit that woo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Take me home, country road, to the place I belong. West Virginia, Mountain Mama. Take I wish I could sing. God damn, I wish I could sing. Country road. Do you ever wish they like God had like a, a skill trade in where you could like get Bro. like four to one on like shitty skills? You're like, listen, Bro. I'll trade ukulele, bass, uh, my HTML skills, <laughs> and 
yeah. like something else to be able to do this. Like, <laughs> give me a. That'd be so. Let me customize dope. the skill set a little bit. <laughs> that would be amazing. 